Hello and welcome to another episode in APW's Property Podcast Series. APW are your partners in property and advise on the process of buying property in the UK. The podcast series looks at all aspects of UK property and with me today are APW property experts Stuart and Callum Williamson. They've been helping expats with their UK property purchases for over 40 years. Hello Stuart. Hello Paul. And hello Callum. Hi Paul, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm Paul Shearer. I've been involved in property professionally as a writer and journalist and personally as an owner and restorer. Today is a short and sweet podcast as we're having a quick rummage through the APW inbox and picking out a fact, which is a frequently asked question, which is what today, Callum? Yes, this is a fact that we get an awful lot, perhaps uh, on a daily basis. It's around HMOs. What is a HMO? Do they give better yield? Should I be buying a HMO? generally anything to do with HMOs in general. Okay, well, let me answer the first bit, which is uh, an HMO is a house of multiple occupation. And uh, this came from the UK government website. A house in multiple occupation, or HMO, is a property rented out by at least three people who are not from one household, for example, a family. But share facilities like the bathroom and kitchen, it's sometimes called a house share or used to be called a house share. The rules for HMOs in Scotland and Northern Ireland are different, and today we're just going to focus on the rules for property in England and Wales. But if you let your property to several tenants who are not members of the same family, it may be a house in multiple occupation or HMO. Uh, Your property is an HMO if both of the following apply. At least three tenants live there, forming more than one household. Toilet, bathroom or kitchen facilities are shared. So a household consists of either a single person or members of the same family who live together. It includes people who are married or living together and people in the same sex relationships. An HMO must have a license if it's occupied by five or more people. A council can also include other types of HMOs for licensing and you need to check the council's websites for how they treat HMOs. It used to be that licensing was mandatory for properties which were three stories or more, but in April 2018 the rules were changed to include two and one-story houses with five or more people from two or more households. So they have been changing the rules on HMOs. It's all quite complicated. I found it very, very hard to understand exactly what uh, the HMO regulations were when I was skimming through the government website, Uh, but you also just need to check the council websites. What does it all mean in practice? And what about the second part of the original question, do they give higher yields? In regards to do they give higher yields, the answer is definitely yes. You know, a a typical HMO yield can be anywhere from 7 to 16%, you know, if you're getting a very high yield. Why is that? Well, they're a lot more work than a bog standard vanilla buy to let, you know, where you you rent out a flat to a young working professional or or a couple. There's a lot more work and risk involved because you're renting out to multiple different people, often on separate tenancies, which requires a bit more work. As I say, people renting out single rooms, whether they're students or unemployed or seasonal workers or recently divorced. But there are many reasons why someone might look for cheaper accommodation. Obviously, I, w- I would say outside of yields as well, you know, not just from a yield perspective, but there's also great potential to add value and increase your pot of capital with HMOs if you are taking, say, a terraced house and converting it into a HMO. 
or if you're taking your property and adding bedrooms to it in order to make it a HMO, there's potential there to, yes, get the higher yield, but you can also add a lot of value to properties by doing that so you can increase your capital. So high yields and capital, but obviously with that is more work, expertise needed and more risk. Yes, and I think one caveat as well is if you are buying a property and converting it into an HMO, if you're going to get borrowing on that, the uh, lenders may require you to have uh, the planning permission for it to be an HMO, uh, which then means that you have to go through a planning process before you can do that. And that's separate from the licensing of the HMO, which is a kind of five-year process of regulating the the rental of of an HMO. But what are the benefits of of HMOs then, Stuart? There's a number of benefits. It's not just about yield. You you talk about getting a much higher yield. It's about continuity of yield. So, I mean, if you have one family living in your property and they move out, then it's empty. If you have six people living in your property and two move out, then it's not empty. You're still getting yield. So you're getting good continuous yield, which is excellent. Other benefits are if you don't like stamp duty, which I know most people don't, if they're sane, that is, then you can buy a house at a cheaper level. You can then add value to it by refurbing it and then renting it out. So it goes to, say, a £200,000 house to a £280,000 house. So you're saving the stamp duty on that. And that can sound quite daunting, but there are companies out there that will do this for you. So basically, they will find the property. They will then quote you to to get the um, refurb done. They will do the refurb within a contracted period, and then they'll manage it for you. So you don't need to have the management license. In addition to that, one of the benefits is that often these companies will offer you an SPV, a single-purpose vehicle, to own the property, which means that it's then becoming more tax-efficient for you as opposed to owning it in your own right. I mean, this is a different podcast to have on SPVs. The single-purpose vehicles are very useful. In addition, you can actually buy it on a, on a slightly different format, and you can buy it with a, a bridging loan while the work is being done, and then you only remortgage it when the work is completed at the higher value price. So again, you're getting a better mortgage that you can then remove the refurb capital from. So it gives you less voids because you have people in there more often. You have the tax benefits in it. Much of the spending you put into it can be tax deductible. This is a high demand, which is growing. There's 4.7 million rental properties on a buy-to-let basis in the UK today. There are only 500,000 HMOs. So it's a great growing market when people are short of money on places where to live. So there are heaps of positive things. And I did a talk last week on, on the market wrap about it, and I gave an example. And some people commented that they were a nightmare to run they are difficult to run, as so we need a professional to do it, or you need to be in the UK to manage it. Pluses versus minuses, there's a lot more pluses than negatives, I do believe. Okay, well, have have a listen to our podcast on uh, buying a property through a special purpose vehicle or buying it through a company. Are there some other catches to HMOs, Callum? I mean, there are some there are some drawbacks, and I think, as Stuart said, it's difficult if you don't know what you're doing and you don't have the experience, or you're you know you're not working with people that can help you do it. You know, if you were to go into doing a HM, HMO project on your own, you know, perhaps having read a little bit online, um, then you may struggle and you may find it a bit overwhelming. But you know, if you are working with people that that know what they're doing, it's a bit easier. In terms of some of the drawbacks, you know, mortgages are harder to secure. 
if you haven't got HMO experience, the rules may have changed now, but as far as I'm aware, it's difficult to get a HMO mortgage if you don't have experience with HMOs. But once you've done one, then it's easier to get those mortgages. Uh, there's a bit more red tape, you know, in different councils and different cities will have different rules and regulations about what's classed as a HMO and the density of HMOs, how many HMOs you can have within a certain area. I think there was, you did it in your wrap, uh, was it last week, Stuart, where you looked at uh, somewhere in Bristol? Cotham density in Bristol, 22.5% yep. of people are HMO people in Cotham. And apparently they're absolute blighters. During the day they have parties and you can't go into your garden. And at the night they have parties and you can't go into your garden either. So it's the very devil to pay. Well, mm, that's it. But, uh, you know, and I, I went to Swansea Uni, believe it or not, and um, it's the same there. You know, the area of Bryn Mill and Uplands is basically all student HMOs, and it's exactly the same sort of thing. So red tape differs in different areas or different towns and cities. Higher startup costs, but again, you know, if you if you know what you're doing, you can pull a lot of those costs out when you remortgage the property further down the line. And generally just a bit more sort of, you know, rule and regulations, statutory minimum room sizes, for example, and then property management is a bit more complicated. But if you're working with a company, again, that knows how to manage HMOs and do it for you, it should take some of the stress out of it for you. Very popular in student areas then. Uh, anything else to add about student HMOs? Well, if you do go north of the border, although we're not covering it here today, north of the border, then the leases are signed by the students but also by their parents, which gives you like a, a belt and braces approach, which in England and Wales, that doesn't occur so much. But I mean, HMOs are not just about students. You know, in Bristol, for example, it's one of the top locations to do buy to let because it is so expensive. So therefore, HMOs are very popular there. And it's mostly in Bristol. You focus on mature people renting as opposed to students. So there is that in many parts of the country. So it isn't just about students. Yeah, and certainly in more expensive towns and cities. You know, my brother is renting a HMO in, in Woolwich in London because it's a bit too expensive to rent, a, you know, just e even a one bed there. So it's, yeah, it's not just students. If you'd like to find out a bit more about the the student HMOs in Scotland above the border, then we've got a, a great video on that on our YouTube where we actually did a talk with one of these companies that'll do it for you. It's about 30, 40 minutes long and it goes through basically what we've gone through here, but in a bit more detail and with a different perspective. So people can go and check that out on our YouTube and make sure you like, comment and subscribe. Don't forget the APW ebook on HMOs is available on our website. I was just about it, to mention that. Yes, go to the APW website and they have some downloadable ebooks, um, particularly one on student accommodation and one on HMOs. The other uh, quirk of a student HMO or, is that students tend to rent for just a year. So it's almost like you have an annual rent review possibility. Whereas if you're renting for longer term tenants, then obviously the rent changes are, are going to be slightly more complicated to manage. But uh, thank you very much, Stuart and Callum. Uh, that's us done for this episode. Uh, next week, it'll be our monthly mooch around the market looking at May. But for now, if you've enjoyed this, please subscribe. Have a listen, as Callum says, uh, to all our other podcast episodes in the usual places under APW. But for now, thank you, Stuart. Thank you, and cheerio. And thank you, Callum. Thanks, Paul. My name's Paul Shearer. Goodbye for now. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at The Art of Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.